Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Brad Hafner. Hey, welcome back to Pure Victory Podcast. Glad you're with us today. Uh, this is going to be an exciting episode for us. We've been we've been trying to make this work for a long time, mm-hmm. but there's four of us on here today. Not a husband and wife, so there's different schedules that to uh, make work and and we got John and Lucas Fort um, with Be Broken Ministries. John is the director of training with Be Broken, which is a great ministry, been around a long time, really a forerunner in the area of uh, breaking free of porn and sexual health and and godly sexuality. And so it's uh, I love Be Broken, I love what they do, and uh, and I love what John and Lucas, what you guys have put together in talking about fathers and sons walking this out together. So we're gonna. Talk about that, and I, I I love it because God is our Father, <laughs> we are mm-hmm. sons, and so that relationship on Earth is obviously so important in bringing healing. So glad to glad to have you guys with us today. Yeah, glad to be on. Good to be here. Mm-hmm. So just to get us going, get the juices flowing a little bit. I'm so curious about you guys. Why did you start this? Why did you engage in this area? Why is this a passion for you? It was all his fault. No, I'm it, just kidding. It started by accident. So. I'm a recovering sex and porn addict. I, I started recovery 27 years ago before he was born, fortunately. So he got to grow up um, with a dad well into recovery by the time he was born, which was really cool. And so my wife and I, I have a daughter too, we're trying to do things with our kids to make sure that they didn't get messed up the way we did. Uh, so we that meant talking about emotions and feelings a lot and then talking about sexuality and sexual temptation and pornography and all that kind of stuff before you even reach puberty. We started talking about that. And so by the time he was 15, you were 15, mm-hmm. um, there was a, 
in, in, in Seattle, Washington, there was a thing called Higher Ground, and it's a men a men's conference on this issue, and they made it men and boys, 13 and up. And they kept telling dads, I would go there every year for work, and they kept telling dads, you know, you need to be talking with your sons. And But they would never say, like, what? What are you supposed to say? So I asked them one time, and this is actually before I even worked for Be Broken. I said, do you want me and my son just to come and show us, show you guys what we do? And so that's the happened. So 15 years old, my mm-hmm. son bravely volunteered. And we, like, did accountability, like, right in front of him. Um, like a, and, and from that, we only had an hour. It wasn't enough time. And so we wanted to make a handout. But the handout was like 60 pages long. So basically that book was the handout originally for for uh, for that event. And it, it said, well, I might as well make a book out of this. And so that's kind of how it started. Cool. What was that like for you, Lucas? You're 15. Why did you why were you willing to step up? Yeah. So like he was saying, pretty much growing up, uh, I was you know raised in the household with him and my mom uh, talking about, you know, being open with each other about feelings and uh, looking at what's going on in our heart and in our head and being able to understand that, right, as I'm going through puberty and getting older, becoming a teenager. Um, and even before being 15, around like 11 years old or so, is when we started getting really into the nitty gritty of accountability and starting to, you know, set up um, a game plan and basically something to be consistent every week. And eventually, once I became 15, I was used to it. Um, I'm a pretty outgoing person, pretty easygoing. So I was actually at, even before 15, I was talking to people about it at school. Like somebody would ask me like, oh, what are you talking about your parents and what do you do on your weekends and everything like that? I'm like, oh, one of my days I do accountability. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, so let me tell you about it. And so that was no problem for me talking to other people about it already. And so by the time that we were doing that at that higher ground conference, like he was talking about, I was already used to it. My dad and I had been doing it for a while. And then, of course, me talking to if I can talk to my school friends or, you know, those crazy teens, I can talk to, you know, some fathers and sons that are at a conference trying to get help. So, yeah, yeah no, that wasn't such a big transition for me. But, uh, yeah, no, it was very interesting, very different than most teenagers, I got to say. Oh, wow. Uh, we have a couple questions about that area I want to ask you. But first off, I'm picking up on this because this isn't the story for many father sons, but. How did you, John, and even Lucas engage in this, but how did you kind of create an environment to be able to talk about this? Because I don't know if this is something that comes naturally. Um, It can be very difficult often because even our family imprinting, I mean, our dads didn't talk to us about it. So how do we talk to our sons about this? So we don't know what this looks like. So how did you, John, create this environment where there's some safety, some care, where Lucas could talk to you about this and vice versa? The So I'll tell my side, I want to hear your side Mm -hmm. of this too, is that um, my dad didn't say, my mom took my two sisters into a room when they were like fifth grade or somewhere in that age and told them about, I don't know what. And I'm like, what are they talking about? And oh, you know, girl stuff, sex. I remember thinking to my dad, like, why didn't my dad ever take me? It's like, okay. not a single word from either one of my parents about anything. And um, so just to be clear, he talked about when 11, we started doing this. I was terrified. Okay, I it was not natural. It was not normal. It was you know, but when my wife and I started recovery, both of us we had two separate counselors, but they worked together too. They identified both of us. We didn't know how to identify our feelings or know what to do with our feelings, and we in other words, all of our problems stemmed from not knowing what to do with feelings. Pornography was how I dealt with feelings. Sex was how I dealt with feelings. Right. So we knew feelings was a problem. So since our kids were t- born, I mean, like since they could talk, 
we were teaching them what we had learned in counseling about feelings. And that was the training ground. Feelings are personal. Sex is more personal, but we were so used to talking about feelings that that was just a small step up instead of a giant step up. So that, for me, my point of view, that was the biggest reason why this was even possible at all. What's for you? What is yeah. your experience with that? Well, and I think so 100%. Yeah, the, the basis being on feelings and to go further into that is that um, one thing that was uh, set up really, really early on when we'd have these conversations and made it more of a routine thing. Um, really early on, it was started off as being no punishment. It was a whole punishment free zone. That's a real big thing. And we harp on that like in our book. And every time we talk to anybody about this, it's always about that, you know, when you know, as a father trying to get your son to open up and talk to them about the feelings. Well, just like, you know, my dad said he was really scared and I'm sure all the dads are going to be scared to open up and talk about it. But the kids are just as scared because, you know, they come into it thinking, well, what happens if I, you know, say all these things? Is am I going to get in trouble? Is my dad going to be mad at me? It's a whole thing of starting off by the dad first being the one to open up, starting the initiating the conversation saying, hey, this is how I feel. This is what's been going on with me and not looking for, you know, assistance. We're not trying to, you know, he was never trying to look for me to give him an answer, but it was him being, you know, setting up the, the groundworks to say, this is how I feel right now. So it's been going on. Now, how do you feel? And I kind of tell him and it was constant encouragement of like, yeah, that's great. Tell me more about it and constantly getting me to open up more. And if I ever told him, Hey, you know, I messed up. I had, you know, I fantasized about this or I, you know, if I did look at porn or something, it never was, you're in trouble. We're taking this away. We're getting rid of this. It was like, I'm really glad that you told me about that. Why do you think that you wanted to go look at that so much? And so that was, you know, having from him being calm, you know, and it wasn't like, you know, if I looked up porn on a computer, it wasn't like, he's like, well, we're not going to do anything to the computer. He can keep using it. It's like, well, no, obviously you got to have something of some kind of barriers to help try to protect the kids, but it's not a punishment. It's a thing to help them. And so that was the biggest thing for me and what, how I took it uh, when I was growing up and the thing that really stood out to me the most. I love it. I love it. You guys, to me, it's like the personification of Hebrews 4 where it says Jesus can empathize with our weakness. So, John, you empathize. You open up with vulnerability. And then God's like, you can come and you can approach the throne of grace. You'll receive grace. You'll receive mercy. And we're and we know the response. But like we're we're we know because God has proactively told us what the response is going to be. I I think that's so cool how you guys did that. So I'm curious, what did it look like on a day on an accountability day? Like practically, what did that look like to do accountability? First, I want to say my boss did. He had a son, and he did this with his son as well. They called them man meetings, and I wish I would have known that because I love that way better. We call them accountability, but that that that's way better. That would have been. So I, I, I now say we changed that in the book to say have a man meeting, right? Oh, mm -hmm. So, so um, I'd be interested to hear from your perspective, you know, as a kid, what what what, what happened at that those things? Yeah, so the way it all first started before we had, you know, said, okay, we're going to have accountability this day, this time, that sort of thing. Before that, it always happened when we were doing something, and it usually ended up being yard work. Because my dad loves gardening. He also has, you know, ADHD. He just can't stop working. So he's always working in the yard. It's like, well, hey, come out here. And so the whole thing was, you know, we weren't sitting there staring straight across at each other. We were next to each other, you know, doing something, right? Kind of ease the tension, make it feel a bit more easy to open up, right? Um, and so it was funny because that's how it first started. Um, and then after a while, it was so funny because I made the connection. Dad was like, hey, come help me with yard work. I'm like, all right, we're going to talk about sex now. Here we go. Um, <laughs> but, but eventually what it turned into was we did have a scheduled time of, all right, hey, on this day, we're going to get together and have this meeting. But I think initially starting it, up, starting it off with having the yard work, having something to do 
Um, that was really good. That way just made everything feel more comfortable, made it feel like something more nonchalant, right? Like, yeah, we're just talking about it. Who cares, right? And I think that's definitely really important is that, you know, different things work for different people, right? I'm sure there probably are some father and son duos out there where maybe for them, it works best for them to sit down at a table kind of next to each other and drink, you know, a cup of tea or something, right? Like it just totally could look different for everyone. But I think trying to have the foundation of what's going to make you more comfortable. Um, and that was something that really helped me because I think if my dad had started off with like, all right, we're going to sit down, close the door, sit at a table. Let's talk about it. How are you feeling this week? I'd be like, well, well I don't know. You know, feeling like I'm closed in, you know, claustrophobic. So, but yeah, that was That's my perspective, at least how it all started off. But yeah. Once we got into probably late junior high or early high school, somewhere in there, more formalized, mm-hmm. the, the components we did, we were looking for, okay, because this is the way it is. Kids start looking at porn for two reasons, typically. Curiosity and because it gives them a buzz. It's probably the first time they got a dopamine hit that heavy, and they I just want to feel that way again, right? Those are the two. And we you even, t- t- we even mm-hmm. talked about that. But at some when it gets dangerous is when it becomes the go-to way to deal with feelings. That's when it gets da- dangerous for that's when it starts becoming a habit. Um, and so we were looking for what emotions do you get that would be that's the emotion that leads to it? I knew what mine were. Mine were failure, feeling like I was a failure at the time. The problem with it was is at the beginning that didn't exist. So we started talking about this. He's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like if I in other words, the times he might mess up in some way had nothing to do with that yet because it was too early, you know, and especially the first year of puberty. It's just like everything's out the window. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you know, the first year of puberty, none of the stuff that we talk about works. It just <laughs> it's just a crazy wild time you're trying to get through. Right. right. But then after that, I remember when you were 14 years old and we figured it and, and a thing happened that like put it all together. And that's when it clicked for you. And when finally that was it. And and that was your walking home story, which Mm -hmm. is in the book and I have on video too. So that's that's great. And so, so we're saying saying is what feeling is it? Okay. And then now, now that we know what the feeling problem is, here's something to dads. You don't know what your son's trigger feeling is or core emotional trigger is until he messes up. You will not know that before. And so messing up is, now finally we have something we can work with it's mm-hmm. a really different mindset and then in the final piece is so what do we do when you feel that now what mm-hmm. yours was being alone or being lonely so when you're alone or lonely what do you do instead of look at porn or fantasize or whatever mm-hmm. yep and we eventually got to that point again from starting off in a more you know like relaxed motion you know doing something like the yard work you know like he said at the beginning i didn't know the correlation between the feeling and that what was happening afterward. But that was why we had that initial, you know, starting off by just talking about the feelings. How do you feel? How did this feel? And that sort of thing. Mm, right. Well, that's, that's so great. And I, I'm curious about this because I think the challenge probably is uh, if you have this, I mean, for dads that maybe have a, if you're listening to this, that it seemed a little bit overwhelming because you think, well, I need to have some sort of template, but then at the same time, maybe there's best practice, but at the same time, your son's unique. So mm-hmm. then being able to hear that and grow with that and, and not, instead of trying to impose on your son, maybe what really worked well for you, trying to hear what your son needs in those moments too. So how would you kind of coach dads in that? Because that can be a little overwhelming. I think I got to do it this way, A, B, C, D. But at the mm-hmm. same time, sometimes, yeah, maybe we need to do some shared activity so that that opens up yeah. um, you know, the son. And so how do you kind of navigate that? 
Yeah. So I think I might start off with that one from, you know, coming from when I was a kid, becoming a teenager and growing up with that. Um, one thing I mentioned uh, how that I would even talk to my friends at school about this kind of stuff, right. And talking about everything. Um, and one thing I learned from, you know, even before talking about, you know, pornography or anything like that, just being very open and vulnerable with my friends at school, it was very evident to me. And even as a kid that, um, the, all the kids, when they interacted with their parents, especially with their dad, it was a feeling of like, oh, I respect my dad. And so there was like a, but it was just a respect, right? It was like, well, you know, I don't want my dad to be upset. You know, they might still have fun with their dad, but I could tell very early on that like the way my dad and I interacted, you no matter who was watching us, there was always that thing of like, oh, they really love each other. But sometimes with a lot of friends, that isn't always evident. And it's not to say that that's like, oh, the dad's felt, you know, they're not loving their kids. Like, I'm sure that oh, every dad loves their kid to death, right? It's just sometimes hard. I can I can understand um, where, you know, coming from the dad's perspective, uh, trying to be that tough exterior, right? Of like, I'm standing firm. I'm really solid. I think, honestly, a way to start off and to help get your kids to be open is to be open yourself first and show that level of vulnerability, and, you know, for some dads, it might look like, you know, getting emotional, crying. For others, it might not be. It might just be talking about how they feel and all that kind of stuff. And having that initial thing of setting up so that their kid can feel comfortable coming to them to talk about things in the future, right? Mm -hmm. And it might even be for a while that it's just the dad talking and the kid isn't quite ready yet to open up. But I think with having the dad started off and, you know, being consistent every week about, hey, like, this is how I feel. So it's been going on. Do you want to share? Well, how about you? What about this? And trying to get them to start opening up as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the feelings, again, are that where it all starts. And matter of fact, if we get a parent who calls us and their 15-year-old has been looking at porn and they realize it's been for like three years, they're all panicked. And I say, I don't want you to talk about sex for two months. I just want you to talk about feelings because that, that's where you start. It doesn't matter if the, if the house is on fire. You got to start there. I would say there's three things here's three possible options. The way we did, it was very formal. We actually wrote out triggers and plans of what to do with those feelings and that kind of stuff and talked about how that week went. Did you get any of those feelings this week? What did you do? That kind of thing. Um, that's You later told me you needed that, mm -hmm. which is good. But some that, that might be way too intense. Maybe mm -hmm. instead they get a journal and they just write back and forth in their journal and they don't talk much at least for a while or maybe it never gets to be a formal meeting and you do talk about triggers and you do talk about different ways to do them but you just the dad's job is to make sure you go do something together every once in a while and talk about that mm -hmm. um and so that's three different models one is like like what we did a very regular meeting one would be writing it out and back and forth another would be you still talk but it's not formalized in any way. You don't have anything written down. You're just trying to remember and talk, you know, that makes. So, so those are three different ways a father and son might approach this, depending on the, per hopefully, mostly the personality of the son. The dad needs to suck it up and do what his son needs. And to go further off of his, the, the second one he talked about with the writing things back and forth, you know, depending on how old the kid is or what, if they have one or not, maybe even texting back and forth, maybe mm -hmm. that'll feel a little bit easier for him, a bit more informal, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Instead of pursuing perfection or what you think is perfection, it's how, how does your kid feel safe mm -hmm. and loved? I love it. I love it. So this is a question for both of you. Um, but some dads are worried about their son losing respect or maybe like, Hey, if they know I watch porn, then they'll watch porn too and think that it's okay. Uh, mm -hmm. how did you work? How did you navigate that from both sides? Lucas, how did you, how, what was your view like of your dad when he opened up and, and John, how did you get over those, maybe those nerves if you had them? Well, I did. 
just to be very clear, I told him <clears throat> when I was your age, my friend showed me pornography and I didn't know what to do. So I just looked at it. And then eventually I got some myself and, you know, that kind of, so I, he knew that. And he knew that I was in recovery from sex addiction. And he knew that every week I went to a support group. Mm -hmm. It was none of that was ever a secret. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that's the first thing, the vulnerability. And I did worry a little bit about the one when we first started talking about this, not that stuff. It's like, is he going to lose respect for me? Because like dads, we have surveyed uh, parents and the number one fear of all parents, moms and dads is my kid might find out my past. Mm -hmm. And um, with, I have seen a few very rare exceptions where the kid did lose respect, but it was because the dad wasn't doing anything to get better. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. He would just say, does that make sense? Yeah. But every single time the dad was doing something and shared 100% of the time of that, I've only heard that it ended the, the son get more respect for the dad, not less. So I was very, I was def actually very afraid that when I started talking about this, he was going to say, well, pff, you're a pervert. I don't know who want, I don't want you to be my dad, you know, that kind of thing. So, but from your perspective. Yeah, no. So the, I remember very distinctly one time, like he said, I knew he was in recovery and I knew that he said, I'm going to my group. I knew what that meant. And I knew that if he was on call and I, you know, he just say, oh, I have someone calling me. I, I kind of assumed what that call was probably about. And so like, you know, I knew about it. Right. But because of that, that was one thing when we, we used to do our accountability or talking about our feelings and stuff while doing the yard work. I remember one time, very specifically, we talked about, I think, in our book, at least on video and stuff for sure, where um, I was talking about how that, you know, feeling like I had you know messed up, like I fantasized, had these, you know, things going on where I felt like I was doing bad. And I wanted to tell my dad about it, but I was worried because, you know, he's going to recovery group. He's doing all the stuff, getting himself better and everything, right? Like he's not going to mess up. But then he had started off by talking about how he had in fact messed up that week. And he told me about it and started off the conversation. And my reaction was like, oh, I'm so glad that you did because I did too. And like, it was a thing of, you know, knowing that he's not absolutely perfect. So it's like, well, I don't have to be perfect and that's okay because we can still talk about it and we still love each other. And so that was the fact that he was, you know, seeking help and getting assistance and helping others and everything, but still was at fault sometimes, that was relieving. That made me so happy. Here's a crazy idea for dads. When they start working with their son and they've reached puberty and so they're in the heat of all this stuff, and the dad's really wanting to set a great example. The son kind of needs to know how the dad responds when he messes up. Mm. What if... God kind of weakens the guy and like setting this up is like, you need to fail so your son can see what, what, how, how to, what if that's actually a positive thing? I know that sounds crazy out there for people, but like, it's just as important for your son to see how you deal with not reaching your goal as when, as being just perfect all the time. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think we, we can relate to people and when they're authentic and we, we see them, working through things instead of uh, kind of creating some sort of aura of perfection because no one can relate to that right mm -hmm. so if you if you're real and authentic we can we can build those gap or um, mm -hmm. i guess kind of bridge those gaps so to speak um I'm, I'm really curious about this one thing for for you uh and that's um often parents don't want to touch this subject with a 10-foot pole so they'll outsource it they'll pass it off to a youth pastor and um, so I'd like to hear, John, kind of your response about, like, as parents, wh what our role in this is and why it's important for us, even as dads. And then the other thing, too, is how does this increase our bond with our children? 
um, when we're able to do this with them. So kind of those two parts there. Unfortunately, there are sometimes dads who are not emotionally healthy enough for this to work with, who when their son confesses, they yell at them or something. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and in those cases, sometimes they do have to resource it out because the dad is just not healthy and emotionally healthy enough because these guys don't, do, you know, you don't have to be perfect. If you mess up, you can apologize and make amends, right? You can do that. So, um, but it is always, always infinitely better if the dad does it. Think about it from the kid's point of view. It's like, you need to talk about this, but I'm not going to talk about it with you. So go talk to the youth pastor. It's like, what would that do to a kid? You know what I'm saying? That That's never good. And my experience, I was concerned. And this is another very common thing we hear from parents. I'm worried it'll ruin my relationship with my kid. That is not what happened. It made our relationship 10 times stronger. It, I mean, I mean, we were always super close. But when we started talking about this, it just, this, I didn't know there was this other level of closeness with a kid, with your son, so I love it. I can see it. Like I, I, even before you guys were talking about how you love each other and stuff, like right away, it's like, oh, these guys have such a cool relationship. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> it's really awesome. I'm curious about mom's role in this, mom's role and the wife's role. Like, what what did that look like for both of you? Yeah, well, for me at least, um, my you know my mom knew what we were talking about, and there was no secrets, and that was a big thing. Was that you know there wasn't like there was there was no secret from mom, and that was something that we also talk about when we are when we've done presentations and teaching and a lot of stuff is that we make sure everyone knows that, right. It's not like we're saying, you know, having this get together thing. And it's not to say that, you know, uh, the mom needs to know exactly what the kid did, right. Because that's not the important part, but it is definitely important that they know what's going on. That way it was like, I could feel comfortable talking about stuff in front of my dad and asking questions while my mom was there. And I didn't feel awkward about it because my dad made it very clear from the beginning, like, you know, your mom knows that we talk about this and like, you know, he made it clear. He's like, I'm not going and tattling on you. That's not the point. Like there's no looking down on you or anything, but it just made me feel more comfortable. I knew my dad was my main source that I went to, but I felt comfortable still talking to my mom about it or talking about it in front of my mom because, you know, she knew what was going on the whole time. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you remember, but the very mm-hmm. first time you confessed anything, you mm-hmm. did it to both of us. Yep. And about a year later, he said, I just want to talk about this with dad now. <laughs> just like you know what i'm saying and so uh, and my wife to be honest with you uh if, if she was here just like she's like i, I it's like i trust you it's like i i don't really want to know um it was sort of it was sort of like i'm not a boy i don't have a penis i don't know what this is all about it's like i don't it's like i don't you guys handle that i want you know so um that's how my wife has it's um it's fine for the the wife to be the mom to be as involved or is not as involved as the son and she are comfortable with but there isn't exactly a right answer i mean there's single moms out there too dealing with this stuff so yeah well i mean like my wife so i mean anytime my dad and i are going on a podcast or presentation anything like that i mean she knows all about that kind of stuff she knows my dad's story and everything and with my wife so she is wanted to go to school to be a nurse and so for her she has no problem talking about everything and going like oh yeah she knows about some of the science that goes on in the brain during puberty and she knows all this stuff and she uses a lot more I guess, uh, intelligent terms than I do myself. He's a lot smarter than I am. But um, so when I talk to her about anything like this, like she is a lot more receptive of it herself and she's more, uh, she'll have more participation in it, I guess. Right. So so some of the differences, right. Between my wife versus my mom. So. Right. Right. And I'm, I'm curious about this too, because 
sometimes parenting, there can be a lot of disagreement about how we parent, right? Mm -hmm. And so in this area, what would you coach parents? Because sometimes like a dad might have totally tracking with you guys and what you're talking about, but maybe the mom doesn't quite have some understanding here. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, how do you navigate that? How do as parents, we work towards getting on the same page in this area? I know that's a big question, but uh, just thought maybe if you had some thoughts. Well, my wife was like, like I said, in the beginning, she was involved in a lot of the conversations that we had until Lucas said, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, but um, so, so that's never been an issue at all in, in this house. But mm-hmm. I, I'm, with my job, I work with a lot of couples. I do parent consults where the mom and dad call in and we do, we do a Zoom like, and, and talk about stuff. And it does happen that sometimes it makes the moms really nervous and they want to kind of be trying to control that um there and that is extremely unhelpful um i can tell you of guys who are in recovery and their moms say i don't want you talking to our boys because you are in recovery and it's like that's the reason he should be talking with them because he knows exactly what needs to happen And, and so it's tricky because sometimes i mean I don't, I don't want to bash on anybody, but sometimes moms actually get in the way. And um, I've had to be a little bit firm with moms before. It's like, your husband has to be the one to talk. And, and fa- the fact that he's in recovery, I mean, he knows 10 times more about what your son needs to know than any other guy is going to know. And so um, that that's sometimes been a hard sell. Um, and what happens sometimes is the sons will start resenting their mom because she's getting in the way of a conversation he really wants to have with his dad. And that absolutely has happened. Yeah, I've seen that happen. So I, I'm with you with what you're saying. And I, I'm so glad that you do what you do because we there's so much focus with talking about pornography in this world and different ministries about on, on the person struggling with porn. But what about the wife and what about the parents and, and the kids, the teens? And so I love yeah. I love what you guys do. What? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, to be fair though, the re- when a woman acts like that, when a mom acts like that, it's because she's it's tra- her trauma. She's yeah, right. been betrayed, and to think her son is doing what her husband did that made her feel so hurt, she doesn't know what to do with that. So that's yeah. what a mom needs to go see a counsel, needs to get her own help because she's been hurt, and kind of indirectly, her son is hurting her. Does that make sense? Fortunately. I'd been in recovery for a really, really long time before Lucas and I started talking about this. So my wife wasn't worried anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, um, but that's just a fortunate story of, of the way our particular thing works. I do want to have huge empathy for a mom because she's reacting out of trauma. Um, not She's not trying to be in mean or inappropriate. Sure. Well, and bro- the trust has been broken in her marriage. It wasn't her fault that it was broken a lot of the time. And and then she has to trust her husband, who she doesn't trust, with dealing with their child, who she loves. It's a hard thing, right? So it does not It does make sense for sure. What would you say to dads who haven't done all this? Maybe dads are listening and they understand it, they like it, but they're like, man, I didn't do any of this. What would you say to those dads so that they don't carry shame? Um, I travel around to conventions to speak, and I was speaking about some of this, about some of this stuff. And there happened to be an 18-year-old boy in the audience of a senior in high school. And he came to the booth afterwards and said, can we have a book, Father, Son, Accountability, that talks about how to do this? And he says, would it be weird if I bought this and went home and asked my dad if he'd do it with me? That happened like two months ago. 
And it's like, what a cool story that is. Mm-hmm. We had a dad come to one of our intensives for help men with addiction and bought this book and took it home and did it with his 26-year-old son. He goes, we never did this. I want to make up for what we didn't do. So it is not too late. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you got to really re- work on repairing. But the, we, we try to, in our materials, help repair that relationship. So um, it is not too late. And, and as long as the dad hasn't, emotionally hurt his son in other ways um because you have to repair that first mm-hmm. but if they have just kind of a pretty decent relationship they just haven't talked about this the, the sons typically respond really well to it mm-hmm. i was uh, going to say i think uh there doesn't need to be a thing of you know trying to feel like they need to prove themselves to their son right like with something they wish they had done that they had and they're looking back at it you know like you talked about feeling that shame right i feel like that it can be easy. It could be easy for someone to try to be like, well, I'm going to, you know, try to prove to my son that I care about him and I want to do this. Right. And getting in that headspace, I feel like can be a little bit, uh, you know, not the best course of action. Right. I feel like I got to, you know, try really hard. I got to prove it. I got to get this reaction. Right. Because in your seat, you're yourself looking for something in return from that. I feel like it's got to be a thing of, you know, if you really want to do this and you, you haven't ever done it before. And, you know, like my dad was saying, you know, your son's 26 years old or whatever it might be is, you know, if you just initiate by saying, you know, be honest and be open, right? And be talking about your feelings, start off with that. Same thing, no matter how old they are, you start you start off with that saying, you know, I feel ashamed or I feel bad, you know, that this never happened, right? And I'd like to start this with you and I want to tell you about how I feel and everything and open that door. And if they are responsive to it and they open up to you with them back and everything, then fantastic. But if they don't, it's not a feeling of like, oh, well, I failed. And they're never going to come back. Like, just keep the door open. And, you know, if you, you know, try as much as you can, everything, but don't be pushing again. Try, don't be going, looking for a specific end goal, right? Just try to initiate and do your part. And, you know, like my dad was saying, I'm pretty confident that they'll be pretty respect, uh, responsive back. But Right, right. Well, and, and kind of jumping on that question, you mean that question was about for dads maybe that haven't done anything. Um, for our listeners out there, maybe they're a stage where now's the time they're mm-hmm. they're hearing this and they're wanting to take those steps. So what would you just kind of coach? I mean, it could be to the son, to the dad, you both can kind of weigh in on this, but what are some first steps now after they've heard what you've said? Like, mm-hmm. yes, let's do this. I want to start. Mm-hmm. What would be some first steps? And feel free again to plug what you have. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind yeah. of leading you into that. <laughs> The reason we wrote Father Son Accountability was exactly for that, because like we could sit here and tell you, and we can tell you some things, but like you're not going to remember it, right? So, so we wrote the book Father Son, and in 2022, just a year ago, we rewrote it and updated it because you know things get old, and yeah. so it's eight weeks, eight chapters. It takes ten minutes to read a chapter. I mean, these are short. It's a tiny little book, mm-hmm. and then it's then it says, "Dad, say this. Son, say this." I mean, like it just literally walks. You don't have to any preparation whatsoever. And um, the idea is, and we start with talking about feelings. We, you know, everything we're talking about unfold that because you need someone to hold your hand to do this. In addition to that, we, um, Lucas and I started, and now I use another dad at his younger son because Lucas is bigger than me now. So it doesn't, (laughs) is we have these things called father son connect through be broken. And they're online like this. Um, No more than five dads at the very most boys, 12 and up. We've had a few 11 year olds in there because they had been getting into porn and their dad begged to let them in. And we, we spend 75 minutes, hour and 15 minutes going through showing them how to do this, like literally showing them when we actually do it on screen. And those have had really, really good responses. So those two things you can do 
video thing like this or and if you do that you get the book too so right right i love it that's awesome we'll put we'll put some links in our show notes but where can people find access to the book and to the to the it's all course? yeah and so under and there's a family in the right. drop down, father son connect and then resources the bookstore yeah and that's bebroken.org yeah got it all right cool well thank you so much you guys i love what you guys do just the i'm so happy that you had the family life that you had growing up lucas mm -hmm. it's it's awesome yeah. and then and john that you did that yeah. for him I, I think that's pretty remarkable mm -hmm. so then now god can use your story and obviously he is and blessing so many people so thank you so much for sharing today absolutely thanks for having thanks for listening if you would like to hear more please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe this podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.